0: Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life. We live in a world largely driven by numbers, logic and reason, but how we feel at work and about our work impacts us, our organizations and society. There is a relationship between the numbers of our organizations, the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michredon, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't, people who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences. And it's helpful to know that there are others who think like we do had struggles too, or have gone where we want to go, or can show us things we didn't know. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life, by sharing insights, stories, and strategies to inspire you to let your uniqueness shine through. Hello, and welcome to episode 105 of Life Beyond the Numbers. This episode is going out on Saturday, October 22nd, 2022, 22, 10, 22. My numbers again, I do, I am a bit fascinated with numbers as many of you will probably know by now. So what is Life Beyond the Numbers about this week? Well. Many of you will know that we took a break. We got to episode 101 in the middle of August and took a break until October. And episode 102 went out on October the 1st, Saturday, October 1st. And I guess I have come up with a new format going forward, a bit of an experiment. I changed the day so it used to go out on a Tuesday and now the episodes are going out on a Saturday. And that was really so I could organise my own schedule a little bit better. And the format going forward is that I will release an interview on the first, second and third Saturday of each month. And on the fourth Saturday, I will do a solo episode. So that is what you're in store for today, a solo episode. And on the fifth Saturday of the month, if there is one, which there is in October, I will put out a compilation. I will come up with a theme and I will select segments from earlier episodes that could go all the way back to episode one because now there is a bank of episodes and build an episode out of some of those segments. And I may also have some commentary or discussion post some questions as we go through that. And that will be the fifth Saturday if there is a fifth Saturday of the month, which there is in October and December. I haven't looked beyond that yet. So episode 105, welcome everybody and thank you for listening. As I thought about what I would put in this episode, I kept coming back to ABC. So I'm going to do an ABC with you today. And the A stands for awards. For those of you who follow me on social media somewhere, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, you may have seen that Life Beyond the Numbers was shortlisted in two categories of the International Women's Podcast Awards 2022 and the awards took place in London at the end of September. The two categories that Life Beyond the Numbers was shortlisted in were visionary leadership and dramatic tension and The Dramatic Tension episode is episode 87, which was my first solo episode. If you would like to go back and listen to that, I will leave a link in the show notes. If you haven't heard it, if you have, you may not want to re-listen to it and that's okay. And the episode that was shortlisted in the category of Visionary Leadership was episode 60 with Caroline Mabon, aptly called Leadership. So I will also leave a link in the show notes for that one. The awards, as I said, took place at the end of September in London, and I was actually in Ireland visiting my parents. And so I sat in my living room in Dingle, which is probably the most westerly point of Europe. And I think that's kind of fascinating to be able to sit in my living room in the most westerly part of Europe and tune in live to awards that were taking place in London. And I wasn't the only one tuning in. There were others from other countries apart from the UK as well. I think there were about 10 categories and I'll leave a link to the awards because there's a lot of different podcasts to check out if you are interested in finding new female or non-binary voices. There are plenty of podcasts to choose from. Life Beyond the Numbers did not win any awards. (laughs) And that's okay too. And I think what's interesting is, you know, there were the awards to each of the categories and then the runner-up. And we never really remember runners-up, do we? Or even who was shortlisted. We, We only remember number one. And it's just something that we do, that number one, again, life beyond the numbers. And I guess somebody has to win. Not somebody has to win, but somebody does win. There is an award given. And then everybody else has achieved a massive amount, I think, to be shortlisted or to become a runner up. That's how I feel about it. So for me, it was an achievement another a so it was an achievement to be shortlisted in two categories and something I'm proud of interestingly the highlight of the night for me was and I must go back and actually figure out who this person was because she was the runner-up in the final award category which was changing the world one moment at a time and she was live in London and she came on stage and, The thing that she said that really resonated with me was, create the content you want to see in the world. And I would say that to any of you listening, if there is something you want to read in the world or see in the world or hear in the world, create it. Because chances are, No one else thinks like you do. I don't even think that's a chance. I mean, that's a fact, isn't it? No one else thinks like you do. No one else has your set of experiences and perspectives and views. And all views are welcome. All perspectives are welcome. And I suppose what I liked about it as well is it is, I guess, I mean, it's hard to think now the benefit of hindsight I can say that that is why I started a podcast was because I wanted to create the content that I wanted to see in the world even if I wasn't really sure what that content was but it brought me closer to knowing what it was so it was an exploration a bit of digging to get somewhere and that leads in really nicely to be What does my B stand for? Well, my B stands for book. And I have news. Yeah, I have news to share. Other news. I, in the last, like, week or so, well, I've been on holidays in the last week, but just before I went on holidays, I signed a book publishing contract. And... (laughs) as i say that i just well there's a big grin on my face you can't see me but there is a big massive grin on my face because again i am quite proud of doing that but i've also just got this real flutter in my stomach and i don't know if it's excitement or nerves or just like what the wtf but i did it i haven't written the book but i've signed a contract and it is I've signed a contract with a wonderful Alison Jones of Practical Inspiration Publishing, and somebody did ask me if it was going to be chiclet. It is not going to be chicklet. I can categorically confirm that it will not be chiclet. No, I am going to write a business book. And it's in very early stages. In fact, it's like a little thought at the moment. And it's it's more than a thought because some of the thoughts have been developed, but The working title, and you're hearing this first, okay? You are hearing this first here. But the working title of this book, which obviously might change as the book gets developed, is This Feelings Business, How Accounting for Emotions Tips the Balance at Work. And I want to take the language of business, accounting, business and use it to talk about not the technical side of our work, but the people side of our work. As I said, it's a thought. It is a seed. It is a concept that I've been thinking about. And it was largely inspired in a way by a book I read by Lisa Fellman Barrett how emotions are made. And when I was reading this book, Lisa Feldman Barrett talked about a body budget and how to manage the level of energy that we need. Our body runs a budget. And every time we expend energy, we need to bring it in. And somebody has to manage that. And that is basically the function of what the body is doing to keep everything in balance as such like a budget and she calls it a balanced budget but it really got me thinking about wow uh, the concept of or how how we run an organization and we use the financial statements the profit and loss balance sheet and so on can we actually use that language to explain the concepts of emotions and feelings and soft skills, for want of a different term, using that hard technical language. I may have lost you by now, and that's okay. <laughs> As I say, it is a, it's a very early stage thinking, and it's basically based off the premise that if the financial statements provide us with evidence or information on the financial state of an organization, they're also providing us with information on the emotional state of an organization. Because actually, if people are disempowered, disenfranchised, disengaged, all of those kind of words, they're probably not doing their best work and therefore the organisation as well as the individual is losing out. And perhaps sales are being left on the table or perhaps costs are being abused somehow and inflated because of how work is being done. Anyway, like I say, it is a work in progress. And how? you write a book like that? (laughs) And that is the question I am not asking myself. And not because I'm not facing up to it, but because I started to read this book, a book that was recommended to me recently on one of these cohort-based writing workshops that I took part in. And Thank you so much, Monica Tan, for that book recommendation. But the book is called The Answer to How is Yes. And it's a book by a guy called Peter Block, And it's about acting on what matters. And in the first couple of pages, he basically says we have yielded too easily to what is doable, practical and popular and therefore that has made us sacrifice the pursuit of what is in our hearts and then because of that we start getting into our doubts and settling for what we know how to do or can easily learn how to do instead of pursuing what matters most to us and living with the adventure and anxiety that requires. So <laughs> here's to some anxiety and adventure or adventure and anxiety as I work out writing this book. And the philosophy of Peter Block's book or his words is if we could all agree not to ask how for a while, that actually it would force us to engage in conversations about why we do what we do. And it would create space for discussions about purpose about what is worth doing rather than what is the right answer Um, and it would give priority to aim over speed because actually our culture tends to just value what works more than it values what matters so i suppose i'm trying to act on what matters to me and That is going to be the premise of starting this book. One of the other things he said is that it's the quality of experience we create in the world, not the quantity of results. And that speaks very nicely to this whole, this feelings business and how accounting for emotions tips the balance at work. So I will keep you updated as we go. If you're interested in knowing more about this, then and you're not following me on LinkedIn, for example, or Twitter or Instagram or somewhere, go and connect with me now. Send me a message, let me know you heard this. And if you wanna have a chat about this, I'd be more than happy to talk to you as well. So please do reach out, connect, and let me know if you have any thoughts. And I just completed a coaching questionnaire um, for writing this book, because it's a publishing partnership, so I work alongside Alison and her team to bring this book to life. And one of the questions Alison asked was, "What in your personal journey is relevant to this book?" And I mean, I have I have a number of stories, but I think there's one that that stood out quite a bit for me. And if you have listened to episode 87, I did talk about a book called Cassandra Speaks by Elizabeth Lesser. And Cassandra Speaks is when women are the storyteller, the human story changes. And in this book, there is a, a piece about how Elizabeth Lesser was running a conference and Eve Ensler, the activist and playwright best known for the vagina monologues, was speaking and she spoke about a scar on her body, how she got it, what it meant to her and how she used its presence to remind her of the lessons she learned during a difficult time in her life. And then she asked the audience to close their eyes. And if you want to do this now, if you're somewhere safe that you can close your eyes, close your eyes and think of a scar on your own body. Put your finger on it if you can. Trace its contours as a way of remembering the stories embedded in our skin. How did it happen? What did you learn from it? What was the message in the tattoo? And as I was reading this, I have a scar on my body. When I was 11, I broke my elbow and I broke it in a way that it needed two operations, two pins and 21 stitches to put it back together again. And after that operation, the surgeon told me, I was 11, the surgeon told me that if I ever broke it again, that I would probably lose power in it. It wouldn't work properly. Something like that. Subconsciously, I I really embodied that message. I really did. And I guess to a, a stage where a lot of my life, I was looking after my elbow so that I wouldn't break it again. And I know that because I never did things like ice skating and anything I saw as potential for breaking my elbow was out. I mean, I tried certain stuff. I wasn't like completely not doing things, but actually I was minding myself a lot more subconsciously than I realized. And in my mid to late 20s I developed chronic pain in my back in my left hand side and over the next number of years like 13 14 years I tried all sorts of people as you do when you're in pain and for any of you who'll know who've had physical pain chronic pain you will do anything to try and fix it or find the right person who can help you. And really, you know, I think I wanted somebody to, to label it for me, give me a diagnosis so then I could do something about it. And I used to get temporary relief, whatever. But it went on for many, many years. And I would say curtailed some of my activities and my lifestyle. But I learned to live with it as we do. When I started living in Switzerland, I met... Cranial sacral therapist who has been on this podcast, Steve. Steve was on episode 10, This Feelings Business. There was the seed for the book. And he was also an episode on Touch, which is a really interesting episode, episode 47. Again, I'll put links in the show notes to both of those. And when I started to work with Steve, he basically told me that I was too young to be in that kind of pain and that he could help. And he did. And what he helped me do, I think, was realise, well, he helped me to get in touch with my feeling side, which I had become probably disconnected from my body. And I can remember him saying to me, asking me in one of the first sessions, you know, tell me how you feel. And I said, I think I feel blah, 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 whatever. And he said, no, I didn't ask you what you thought. I asked you what you felt. And I was a bit like, huh, what's going on here? And so then I had to learn how to articulate what I was feeling in my body. And the other thing that he helped me understand and realize was that in a way this pain was in my head and not in an imagined sense, but how he described it was if you imagine a burglar alarm on a house and the burglar alarm on the house for most people goes off when a burglar (laughs) breaks in or somebody tries to break in. But With my alarm on my house, my body, my alarm was ringing if a leaf fell from the tree in the garden. And so my alarm signals were faulty and I looked at everything as a risk. And as such, I was protecting myself, trying to keep myself safe. And this manifested in pain, And getting an understanding of that really opened my mind, opened my eyes, opened my body to new experiences. And I can honestly say I've been living pretty much pain-free ever since, which started to open up a whole new world, I think, for me. And it's something I've really been pursuing ever since. And digging deeper into this world of sensations, feelings, emotions, brain, behaviour, and I suppose how much that influences how we are shaped by our world and the shape that we take in the world and how we act in the world and behave. And this is what I want to explore in further detail. Going back to Cassandra Speaks, reading that and piecing together that actually, that scar on that 11-year-old, what happened then is something that is informing the work that I am doing today. And it's kind of crazy, I think. It was really interesting to think like that. So if you do have a scar, and maybe it's psychological or emotional, ask that scar what lessons it holds for you. And just thinking about pain, which maybe is a topic most of us don't want to talk about, but I went to David White's book, Consolations, and he says, pain is the doorway to the here and now. It's a form of alertness, it is a way in. Its beautiful humiliations make us naturally humble and force us to put aside the guise of pretense. In real pain, we have no other choice but to learn to ask for help. It's the first proper step towards real compassion. We suddenly find our understanding and compassion engaged as to why others may find it hard to fully participate. Because pain makes drama of an everyday life, so pain is an appreciation for most of all the simple possibility and gift of a pain-free life. And I think maybe that's it—is that I mean, pain it doesn't doesn't have to be physical. Only it can come in so many different ways, and a lot of what's going on in workplaces, I believe, is 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 pain. You know, we have pain when we can't express ourselves and pain when we don't get on with our colleagues, as well as obviously people that have physical ailments. And many times some of those physical ailments can be because of of ourselves, who we are being pushed back and pushed down and made small. So that is some of the stuff that I'm going to explore in this and finally, the sea. Well, the sea. <laughs> in fact, when I was thinking about the sea, all I could think of was the actual sea, because I've just been on holidays. We were in Sicily, and oh my God, the sea was absolutely amazing. And again, those of you who listen regularly will know I'm a bit obsessed by the sea. And I spent so much time in the sea. I don't know if I've ever seen the sea quite like it. It was the Mediterranean. It was stunning. Absolutely stunning. Anyway, the sea is not about the sea. But the sea, for me, is about commitment. And actually, it was funny. I was having a conversation with Helen Joy earlier. And I said to her, I can't think of a sea except for the sea. And she talked about consistency. And we actually got into a conversation about consistency, but I came back to commitment. And the reason I came back to commitment actually is because commitment, I, I think, so let's start this again. I've wanted to write a book for I don't know how long, and I've talked about it for a while. And two years ago, I did a book proposal for a book. But after digging into it a bit more and doing some more research, I realised it wasn't the book I wanted to write. And I also realised it wasn't the business I wanted to run. Whereas this for me really is more of a calling book. And I thought about the things that I've been successful in or at in life. And by successful, I mean completing in a way. And there's another C. And... And doing it like in a way that just made sense, I suppose. And one of the things that came to me was a half marathon that I ran a number of years ago. And I remember I only had six weeks to train for a half marathon. I'd never done one before. And in fact, it was after doing the work with the craniosacral therapist that I then was able to even run. I hadn't run in years and years and years and years. And... I set myself up for this half marathon, gave myself six weeks to train for it. And what I did was I just put a schedule together and I ran on a Monday, Wednesday and Saturday. And I did training on other days like CrossFit or whatever. But that was it. I just stuck to it. And I did exactly the kilometres I set out to do. And then I ran the half marathon and I thought, OK, so I just have to have a commitment. I just have to have a plan, but I have to commit to that and say I'm going to do it. And as Helen and I talked about commitment today, we talked about the difference between intention and commitment. And for her, she was saying, well, if I'm committed to something, I actually need to have the intention of doing it as well. And I said, well, I think it's different for me. For me, I can have the intention, but unless I commit, then it doesn't really matter. When it comes to the podcast, I committed to that. And again, I put out a schedule every single week and I was consistent. There's that C again. But I was consistent with the commitment. And that's what I want for this. I want to commit fully. I want to say I'm all in. I am going to produce this. And I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the difference between commitment and intention? Because for me, I think I can have an intention to do something doesn't mean I'm committed to doing it though. And that's where words matter and that's why we all have our own versions of the words that work for us and perhaps that's just what I had to find was that word that worked for me and then make that commitment. But actually back to Peter Bloch because he in his book the answer to how is yes Interestingly said, knowing how to do something may give us confidence, another C, but it does not give us our freedom. Freedom comes from commitment, not accomplishment. It comes from finding our own voice, not following another's. So, Maybe that is the commitment, is finding my own voice and not following in others. And yes, of course, I'm going to be influenced by others. And this book is not going to be about me. It's, this book is going to be based on developments in neuroscience and psychology and management and leadership and so on. but I'm making the content, ooh, another C, I'm making the content that I want to see in the world. And that is my commitment. And my other commitment, as I said at the beginning of this episode, is my commitment I'm making to you to produce an interview episode the first three Saturdays of every month, and to do a solo episode on the fourth Saturday of every month. And if there is a fifth Saturday, there will be a compilation episode, another C. Oh my God, this episode is full of C's. Thank you for listening. Like I said, if you are not connected with me on social media, do please do it right now. The episode is over, go directly onto LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter and find me and send me a connection request or follow me or whatever it is. But if you send me a connection request on LinkedIn, please just mention that you listen to this podcast episode and yeah, maybe we'll have a conversation even. Another C. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to do this format going forward. Let's not go that far ahead yet. Again, the answer to how is yes. So I'm just going to see what unfolds in the next few weeks and I will be back with a solo episode on the fourth Saturday in November. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode. If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life Who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review, so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.